Let's um, let's dive into the Word of God again, as we always do here. Um, we're going to continue on in Romans in chapter 14. So if I give you guys a second and turn it there. Romans chapter 14. A little background on, on what we're going to be reading about here. Um, regarding... Regarding how to treat Christians who are weak in the faith. Uh, some background on the, on the cultural context of this chapter is that uh, Paul is addressing this letter to the, the church in Rome. Um, the Romans and Greeks were also in the area at the time, were polytheistic, believing in many gods, right? Um, there are still religions around the world that are like that, um, Hindu, and, um, not sure, uh, there, are, there are others, um, but these people believed in, in numerous gods, and they sacrificed to their gods, um, and they would sacrifice whatever they, they felt like. Um, traditionally, it was meat and wine as, as offerings to their gods. Um, so, with, with that in mind, let's, let's read through the, uh, the chapter, and then we're going to go to some cross-references here. So, Romans t- uh, 14. Welcome people who are weak in faith, but don't get into an argument over differences of opinion. Some people believe they can eat all kinds of food. Other people with weak faith believe that they can only eat vegetables. People who eat all foods should not despise people who eat only vegetables. In the same way, the vegetarians should not criticize people who eat all foods, because God has accepted those people. Who are you to criticize someone else's servant? The Lord will determine whether his servant has been successful. The servant will be successful because the Lord makes him successful. One person decides that one day is holier than another. Another person decides all days are the same. Every person must make his own decision. When people observe a special day, they observe it to honor the Lord. When people eat all kinds of food, they honor the Lord as they eat. Um, Another caveat to this, um, Paul is talking to believers. Okay, he's not talking to unbelievers. So when he's saying um, that people eat all kinds of food, they honor the Lord as they eat, He's talking about believers. Okay, so this is not pagans eating their sacrifices to the Lord. That's not to the Lord. Um, Vegetarians also honor the Lord when they eat, and they too give thanks to God. Um, An interjection here as well about this part is that um, some Jews at the time, and also... uh, Gentiles, who were in, um, for different reasons, I guess, but the Gentiles who had um, come out of this pagan religion and were used to offering these sacrifices, they abstained, when it says vegetarians, the reason they were vegetarian is because they didn't want to partake in anything that could have been uh, sacrificed to an idol, to a false god. 
Okay, so they're not, they're not vegetarian just because they don't like meat. They're vegetarian because they don't want to eat meat tainted by demonic sacrifice. Um, and the same thing would be of, of the Jews as well. Um, another, uh, well, we'll get to that in a different chapter here, a cross-reference. Um, it's clear, verse 7, it's clear that we don't live to honor ourselves and we don't die to honor ourselves. If we live, we honor the Lord, and if we die, we honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this reason, Christ died and came back to life so that he would be Lord of both the living and the dead. Why do you criticize or despise other Christians? Everyone will stand in front of God to be judged. Uh, that, ver that statement in verse 10, why do you criticize or despise other Christians? goes back to verse 2-3. Uh, yeah, so some people believe, that, believe they can eat all kinds of food. Other people who are weak in the faith believe they can eat only vegetables. Verse 3, people who eat all foods should not despise people who eat only vegetables. Right? Think less of them for not partaking in the meat. In contrast to that, in the same manner, the vegetarians should not criticize people who will eat all foods, passing judgment on them for not abstaining, right? So that's the, the back reference there in verse 10 to verse 3. So why do you criticize or despise other Christians? Verse 10, everyone will stand in front of God to be judged. Scripture says, as certainly as I live, says the Lord, everyone will worship me and everyone will praise God. All of us will have to give an account for ourselves to God. So let's stop criticizing each other. Instead, you should decide never to do anything that would make other Christians have doubts or sin against their conscience, as we'll find out later at this chapter. The Lord Jesus has given me the knowledge and conviction that no food is unacceptable in and of itself, but it is unacceptable to a person who thinks it is. So the food isn't unacceptable, it's the act of going against your conscience. So if you think it's bad, it's bad for you. God's kingdom does not consist of what a person eats or drinks. Rather, God's kingdom consists of, what, of God's approval and peace, as well as the joy that the Holy Spirit gives. The person who serves Christ with this in mind is pleasing to God and respected by people. Uh, we're going to jump out of order of how I wanted to do this here, but uh, verse 17, God's kingdom does not consist of what a person eats or drinks. Rather, God's kingdom consists of what, of what he is a, approves of. Let's jump over to Mark chapter 7. Mark 7 verse 1. And in the spirit of context, we're going to read a whole whack of it. The Pharisees and scribes who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus. They saw that some of his disciples were unclean, quote-unquote unclean, because they ate without washing their hands. 
They were unclean according to Pharisaical, extra-biblical law. Okay, they were not unclean according to God's law. There is no law that God instated to wash your hands. Okay, that's extra-biblical, Pharisaical law. The Pharisees are accusing them of, of eating with unclean hands. The Pharisees, like all, oh, here, the Pharisees, like all other Jewish people, don't eat unless they have properly washed their hands. They follow the traditions of their ancestors, so that's not, not scripture, right? They follow traditions of the Pharisees. When they come to the mark, from the marketplace, they don't eat unless they've washed first. Just as a little aside, uh, a lot of the, the Jews in the, in, when, the, when the Black Death, the plague in Europe happened, there was a greater percentage of non-Jews that died than Jews. And they were, they were blamed for the plague but it's actually just simple cleanliness that probably probably saved them from a lot of this stuff. Anyway. Um, okay, verse 4. When they come from the marketplace, they don't eat unless they've washed first. They also have been taught to follow many other rules. For example, they must also, also wash their cups, jars, brass pots, dinner tables. So a whole lot of washing. Pharisees asked the scribe, and the scribes asked Jesus, Why don't your disciples follow the traditions taught by our ancestors? They are unclean because they don't wash their hands before they eat. Jesus told them, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. Christ addressing their extra-biblical rules and regulations that they imposed upon uh, their, the people. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is pointless because their teachings are rules made by humans. You abandon the commandments of God to follow human traditions. He asked, you have no trouble rejecting the commandments of God in order to keep your own traditions. For example, Moses said, honor your father and mother, and whoever curses father and mother must be put to death. But you say, if a person tells his father and mother that whatever he might have used to help them is an offering to God, he no longer has, he can't do anything for his mother or father. Because of your traditions, you have destroyed the authority of God's word, and you do many other things like that. Then he called the crowd and, and said, Listen to me, all of you, and try to understand. This is the key part that we're getting to back from Romans 8, uh, 14. Nothing that goes into a person from the outside can make him unclean. It is what comes out of a person that makes him unclean. Let the person who has ears listen. When he said he had, uh, when he had left the people and gone home, his disciples asked him about the illustration. Jesus said to them, "Don't you understand? Don't you know that whatever goes into a person from the outside can't make him unclean? It doesn't go into his thoughts, but into his stomach, and then into a toilet." By saying this, Jesus declared all foods acceptable. He continued, "It's what comes out of a person that makes him unclean." Evil thoughts, sexual sins, stealing, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, cheating, shameless lust, envy, cursing, arrogance, and foolishness come from within a person. All these evils come from within and make a person unclean. So let's go back to Romans 14.
So down to chapter verse 17 where we left off. So God's kingdom does not consist of what a person eats or drinks. Rather, God's kingdom consists of God's approval and peace, as well as the joy that the Holy Spirit gives. The person who serves Christ with this in mind is pleasing to God and respected by people. So let's pursue those things which bring peace and which are good for each other. Don't ruin God's work because of what you eat. All food is acceptable, but it is wrong for a person to eat something if it causes someone else to have doubts. The right thing to do is avoid eating meat, drinking wine, or doing anything else that causes another Christian to have doubts. So whatever you believe about these things, keep it between yourself and God. The person who does what he knows is right shouldn't feel guilty. He is blessed. But if a person has doubts and still eats, he is condemned because he didn't act in faith. Anything that is not done in faith is sin. Uh, 15.1, we'll continue these three verses here. It carries on in the, the thought. So those of us who have a strong faith must be patient with the weaknesses of those whose faith is not so strong. We must not only think of ourselves, we should all be concerned about our neighbor and the good things that will build his faith. Christ did not only think of himself, rather as scripture says, the insults of those you insult have fallen on me. Um, let's go read a passage that has the yeah, 1 Corinthians 8 is, is paralleled in the line of thought with this one, with Romans 14. So over to 1 Corinthians 8. Now concerning food offered to false gods, we know that we have all knowledge. Where does all knowledge come from? God, the truth, scripture, his word. Knowledge makes people arrogant, but love builds them up. Those who think they know something still have a lot to learn. But if they love God, they are known by God. Now about eating foods that was offered to false gods. We know that the false god in this world doesn't really exist. They don't really exist. And that no god exists except the one god. People may say that there are gods in heaven and on earth, many gods and many lords, as they would call them. But for us, there is only one God and Father. Everything came from Him, and we live for Him. There is only one Lord, Jesus Christ. Everything came into being through Him, and we live because of Him. Not everyone knows this. Sorry, but not everyone knows this. Some people are used to worshipping false gods, that they believe they are eating food offered to a false god. So they feel guilty because their conscience is weak. Food will not affect our relationship with God. We are no worse off if we eat that food and no better off if we don't. But be careful that by using your freedom, you don't somehow make a believer who is weak in faith fall into sin. For example, someone, suppose someone with a weak conscience sees you, who have this knowledge, eating in the temple of a false god. Won't you be encouraging that person to eat food offered to a false god? 
In that case, your knowledge is ruining a believer who is weakened, whose faith is weak, a believer for whom Christ died. When you sin against other believers in this way and harm their weak consciences, you are sinning against Christ. Therefore, if eating food offered to false gods causes other believers to lose their faith or stumble in their walk um, or sin against their conscience, I will never eat that kind of food so that I won't make another believer lose their faith. Or, uh, stumble is a better translation than, than, uh, than the one I have right here. Or cause them to fall into sin. Not that the sin is against God, but the sin is against their own conscience, right? Um, let's jump to 1 Timothy 4. That's about 30 pages to the right. First Timothy 4, verse 1. The Spirit says clearly that in later times, some believers will desert the Christian faith. They will follow spirits that deceive, and they will believe the teachings of demons. These people will speak lies disguised as truth, their con consciences having been scarred as if branded by a red-hot iron. So they don't listen to their conscience, right? They will try to stop others from getting married and from eating certain foods. God created food to be received with prayers of thanks by those who believe and know the truth. Everything God created is good. Nothing should be rejected if it is received with prayers of thanks. The word of God and prayer set it apart as holy. So this is addressed in, um, in Galatians as well. Some of the Judaizers came and, and people who would, would take something that's good and impose rules upon other people. Um, the Judaizers said everyone had to be circumcised. Uh, what he's talking about here is that uh, stopping, they will try to stop others from getting married. <coughs> 1 Corinthians 7 addresses, addresses that as well. Um, Paul said, it's good not to get married. If you put a period on that and walk away, you go, uh-oh, I'm married. Should I get unmarried? I want to get married. Should I not get married? Read the rest of the chapter. He says, not everyone has this gift of singleness. If you want to get married, get married. At the, at the time as well, they were, they were under persecution. And it was, it was just... It made your life a lot more complicated to be married and have children and to be running for your life. Um, anyway, back to the point is the, uh, there were people trying to impose uh, their will on others saying, don't get married, don't eat certain kinds of food, get circumcised, um, observe this day, observe that day, don't observe that day. Um, he said, everything is to be received with thanksgiving. If you go back to Genesis, way back at the beginning. Verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 29. This is after uh, creation. God's talking to Adam and Eve. Genesis 1, 29. For those of you like me who need to repeat it. 
God said, I have given you every plant with seeds on the face of the earth, and every tree that has fruit with seeds. This will be your food. I have given all green plants as food to every animal, every bird in the sky, and every animal that crawls on the earth, every living, breathing thing. And so it was. And then he saw that it was good. Um, So God's initial plan for humans was vegetarian, right? He said, everything that's green and produces seed and fruit, eat it. That's your food. Animals are going to eat that as well. Go to Genesis 9, after the flood. 9 verse 3. Noah gets off the ark. God blesses him and, and his sons and says, be fertile. Genesis 9, uh, let's, let's go to 9. Nine one, Be fertile, increase in number, and fill the earth. All the wild animals and the birds will fear you and be terrified of you. And they just spent almost a year with him in the boat, and now they're going to be afraid of him, right? I wonder why. Well, every creature that crawls on the ground, fish and scales, have been put under your control. You will have dominion over the animals. Everything that lives and moves will be your food. That's why they're afraid of them. <laughs> I give you green plants as food. I gave you, sorry, green plants as food. I now give you everything else. So, you just let the buffet off the ark. Now go catch it, because they're afraid of you. Um, Let's go to Galatians 5 from there. Verse 1. Galatians was uh, written to the church uh, in Galatia, and Paul is addressing uh, throughout the the book mainly. putting themselves, the people, not to be submitting to unbiblical rulership, being uh, perfected by laws and regulations, having, having begun in faith and being saved by faith, they're turning back to legalism. In chapter 5, it says, Christ has freed us so that we may enjoy the benefits of freedom. Therefore, be firm in this freedom and don't become slaves again. I, Paul, can guarantee that if you allow yourselves to be circumcised, Christ will be of no benefit to you. Again, I insist that everyone who allows himself to be circumcised must realize that he obligates himself to do everything Moses' teaching demand. Those of you who try to earn God's approval by obeying his laws have been cut off from Christ. little aside here, if... You are circumcised, you're not obligated to keep the law. He's saying if you're trying to keep the law and that's why you're circumcised and you're trying to go down that avenue of keeping the feasts and the dietary restrictions and, and wearing the clothes, and if you're trying to uh, gain God's approval through the law, you're dead. Good luck. Um, but you're obligated to the law is what he said. Um, and that's what some of the people who are coming around, and you can read that in, in Acts as well, about how people were trying to insist on, on that. Um, 
Those of you, verse 4, those of you who try to earn God's approval by obeying his laws have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen out of God's favor. However, if you're in your spiritual nature, faith causes us to wait eagerly for the confidence that comes with God's approval. As far as our relationship to Christ is concerned, it doesn't matter whether we are circumcised or not, but what matters is a faith that expresses itself through love. You are doing well. Who stopped you from being influenced by the truth? The arguments of the person who is influencing you do not come from the one who is calling you. A little yeast spreads through the whole batch of dough. The Lord gives me confidence that you will not disagree with this. The one who is confusing, the reference there to a little yeast spreads through the whole batch is that the reference is, uh, um, right here it says, the, the, however the one confusing you will suffer. He's saying that don't let heresies into the church, basically, because they spread. Um, uh, verse 10. The one who's confusing you will suffer God's judgment regardless of who he is. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching that circumcision is necessary, why am I being persecuted? In that case, the cross wouldn't be offensive anymore. I wish those troublemakers would castrate themselves. You were indeed called to be free, brothers and sisters. Don't turn... This is the key part of this whole context uh, in this passage for, for what we're looking into right now. You were indeed called to be free, brothers and sisters. Don't turn this freedom into a, an excuse for your corrupt nature to express itself or your selfishness. Rather, serve each other through love. All of Moses' teachings are summarized in a single statement, love your neighbors yourself. But if you criticize each other and attack each other, be careful that you don't destroy each other. So uh, the, first, the first verse in Romans 14 said, welcome brothers or others who are weak in faith, but not to argue over opinions, right? So don't criticize and attack each other. Let me explain further. Live your life as your spiritual nature directs you. Then you will never follow through on what your corrupt nature wants. How do you live a life of um, following your spiritual nature? Educating your, yourself, right? Filling yourself with the Word of God so that it, it, uh, it comes to your mind in every circumstance of life. Your natures are opposed to each other. Uh, your spiritual nature is contrary to your corrupt nature. As a result, you don't do what you intend to do, which is what Paul talked about in Romans, right? I don't do the things I want to do. I, I do the things I don't want to do. There's a war going on. If your spiritual nature is your guide, you are not subject to Moses' laws. The rest of the chapter is good there as well, but we'll, we'll leave that. Um, so we need to be led by the Spirit, right? Uh, if, if God's Spirit is guiding you, you will be fulfilling the law because love is the fulfillment of the law. Um, and we, we show love for one another in relation to, uh, in, in regards with Romans 14, by how we act in front of each other 
We'll get to the, the application in a little bit here. Let's go over to 1 Corinthians 10, verse 14. 1 Corinthians 10, 14. Corinthians 10, 14 uh, into chapter 11, barely, verse 1. Stay away from worshiping false gods. Therefore, my dear friends, get as far away from the worship as false go- of false gods as you can. I'm talking to intelligent people. So am I. Judge for yourselves what I'm saying. When we bless the cup of blessing, aren't we sharing the blood of Christ? When we break the bread, aren't we sharing the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we are one body. Although we are many individuals, all of us share one loaf. We're all partakers of Christ, right? Look at the people of Israel from a human viewpoint. Don't those who eat the sacrifices share what is on the altar? Do I mean that an offering made to a false god is anything? or that a false god is itself is anything? Hardly. What I'm saying is that these sacrifices which people make are made to demons and not to God. I don't want you to be partakers with demons. You cannot drink the Lord's cup and the cup of demons. You cannot participate at the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Are we trying to make the Lord jealous? Are we stronger than he? Someone may say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is helpful. I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything encourages growth. People should be concerned about others and not just about themselves. Eat anything that is sold in the market without letting your conscience trouble you. Um, Another little piece of background here is that the... The food that was offered to idols was, was sacrificed. The person would bring it in, they would give it to the priest, they would pay them some money perhaps as well. Uh, here's some, some bread, some wine, some grain offering, here's an animal, whether it's a, a dove or a pigeon or a goat or a, a, a yak, you, you pick it, right? Um, or, um, Pagans would possibly bring pigs, I guess, as well. Um, And they gave them to the priest. The priest would take it in and say, thank you very much, be absolved of your sins, and carry on your way. That meat would become, some of it would end up on the altar, burnt. The majority of it would end up in the priest's belly, and whatever they didn't eat, and their families went out the back door into the marketplace and they sold to whomever would buy it at less than market value. So they could move it quickly. Right, so what he says here in um, verse 24, people should be concerned about others and not just themselves. 25, sorry. Eat anything that is sold in the market without letting your conscience trouble you. He said, if you don't know where it comes from, it's food, right? Like we talked about before. He said, all food is acceptable. You can eat whatever you want. 
prayers are, and thanksgiving, thanksgiving to God, the attitude in which you eat it is, is what, uh, what makes it acceptable. Certainly the earth is the Lord's and everything it contains is His. If an unbeliever invites you to his house for dinner and you wish to go, eat anything he serves you without letting your conscience trouble you. However, if someone says to you, this was sacrificed to a God, don't eat it because of the one whom informed you and because of conscience. I'm not talking about your conscience, but the other person's conscience. Why should my freedom be judged by someone else's conscience? He said, look, we already know it's food. It doesn't matter. It's just food. He said, so why can't I eat it? Verse 31, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, uh, do everything to the glory of God. Don't cause others to stumble, whether they are Jewish, Greek, or members of God's church. I try to please everyone in every way. I don't think about what would be good for me, but about what would be good for many people so that they might be saved. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. So he's saying, in, in this particular uh, passage in, in 1 Corinthians 10, we're talking about your attitude and, and uh, demonstration of, of what is right and your love toward an unbeliever. Okay, Romans 14 was talking about a relation to believers as well as 1 Corinthians 8. So this guy, in, in this instance, he says, don't eat it to show the unbeliever that their false god is not acceptable to you and you don't want to partake in um, idolatry essentially because they associate the food with the false god you don't but they do right so for their sake don't eat it for your sake it doesn't matter the false god is nothing that you don't participate with them in, in their worship to their false gods. Let's go back to uh, Romans 14 again. says the right thing to do is to avoid eating meat drinking wine or doing anything else that causes other Christians to have doubts so whatever you believe about these things keep it between yourself and God So this is primarily about food offered to idols, but he says this extends to a much larger sphere than that. This is about loving one another and not giving cause to people who are weak in the faith to stumble over our actions because of their lack of knowledge and their uh, just their um, possibly their juvenile faith. 
or, or juvenile knowledge of, of what's right and wrong. And it's also the background they came from. So, this, is, uh, this has been the cause of a lot of lists. What I mean by that is, um, it's what the Pharisees did. And what we have to avoid doing as, as believers is coming up with lists to keep us from um, transgressing a, a principle. Um, so the list include and, and do include and can. So what do we do yeah. to avoid um, causing someone else to stumble? So how far do we take this? Right? The principle is don't do anything that could cause someone else to stumble. So if we have a new Jehovah's Witness convert in our uh, church, is it okay for any of us to have a blood transfusion? Should we write that into our constitution? I'm going to pose some questions and then we're going to wrap this into a conclusion here. If somebody comes in and they've been recently delivered from making internet porn, should we not own computers? If we have a recovering alcoholic, are we to never have a glass of wine at supper? Should we never go to the movies? Because the content at the theater in general is questionable. And don't you have better things to do with your time? Should we never own a TV? Or a smartphone? Because you can get all kind of debauchery on those things. What about going to the beach or the swimming pool? Men, don't take off your shirt. Women, no two-piece suits. Don't go at all. That's what I mean by the lists that get created and the legalism that, that comes out of a genuine um, desire to do what's right and to not cause others to stumble, to, to, um, to not be the person that, that causes those other people. And we're not talking about um, things that are morally right and wrong here. Okay, this is these are these are fringe issues that that somebody has a personal stigma over, or or who uh, just doesn't understand something. So I'm not talking about um, these two over here having adultery, and and um, that that's that's a totally different non-gray area. Okay, that's not, we don't have Christian liberty to sin. Okay, this is not talking about things that are sin. And in 1 Corinthians 10, uh, 32, I'm just going to jump back there quickly. Yeah, so again, this is, it says, don't cause others to stumble, Jew, Greek, or believer. So, for the Jew, do we, on the Seventh-day Adventist, do we work on the Sabbath? 
Do we not travel a certain distance? Do we observe their kosher dietary laws? Right? If we have new converts, or if we're out and we see them put beards in the hats and right? Like Paul said, I've become all things to all men that I might by any some, any means win some to Christ. No pork, no crab, lobster, oyster, shrimp, etc., etc. Pretty much anything that eats off the bottom. Uh, so then, be sensitive to the backgrounds and weaknesses of others so that we're careful not to cause a stumbling block to a weak Christian or an unbeliever. Put the interests of others ahead of ourselves and stop judging other believers because all of God's servants will stand in front of him as a success only because God has made that believer successful through the blood of Christ. So, let's, uh, let's take an inventory of, of what we possibly do that can be a stumbling block to others and whether we're being selfish in doing that and um, whether we're sensitive to the Spirit leading us in, in, in how we can display love to one another in, in putting others first. Let's pray and then we're going to have uh, communion taken offering. Lord, God, your word is light unto our path and convicting to our soul and encouraging. Lord, we thank you for the sacrifice that you made to for our sins in Christ, Lord. We ask that you would speak to our consciences and help us to not cause others to stumble, that we would educate those who are weak in the faith and and not be disputing with them, but rather patient and long-suffering, Lord, with each other. Not criticizing those who, who partake in liberties that uh, we necessarily don't feel we should. Thank you for your patience and mercy on us and your grace. I just ask you to lead our lives, guide us and... Just bring these scriptures to mind when, when we uh, need to adjust our actions. Praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.